0: Word Shekinah was the manifest presence of God. And let I me mean, know oh, that's what we need in our nation today for God to visit America in a brand new way. Give me a big hand today. He's awesome. And we are thrilled you're here. You give your neighbor a high five, tell him you're looking good, and you may be seated. And if your spouse is with you, tell them, I'm sure glad I married you. Well, good to see you this morning. I was out of town last week, went to visit my folks in Mississippi, and uh, had a good time, got to do a little turkey hunting, preached at my dad's church. How did that get up there? In case you're wondering, I only killed the bad turkeys, and the way you recognize a bad turkey is he has a real long beard, so uh, if you know where any bad ones are, I'll help you move them from your pasture to your refrigerator and... Uh, we can do that. But anyway, I got to preach at my dad's church last week. Always a great great thing. I mean, no you don't ever want to take for granted your family. You don't ever want to assume that tomorrow will be just like today, but you want to redeem moments whether your kids are young or old or your parents as well. Well, next week I'm going to start a series called Dumb and Dumber. Can you say that with me? Dumb and Dumber. I won't ask you if you saw the movie, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to use some, some people in the Bible that did some really dumb things to show us what to avoid so we can enjoy God's blessing. If you, before Easter, we did in a series called Attention Getters that was about examples in the Bible, how people found God's favor. So it's going to be a little reverse of that, and I think you'll enjoy it next week. But this morning, I want to step into a topic that America is talking about all america is talking about the topic of marriage and who has the right to be married our supreme court of course right now is looking at two major cases and uh, in june they'll they'll answer uh... the question for americans at some level or maybe they may say we don't want to deal with this either but we're gonna step into the bible today uh, in case we encounter any turbulence there are seat belts under your chairs so uh, if you're squeamish about it already, I'd put it on before the plane takes off. And uh, if you need, have any, need any help during the service, lift your hand and a stewardess will come by to assist you. This is a non-drinking flight, so uh, you'll just need to hang on with me. How about that? <laughs> hey, before we do that, though, we're going to take a little test. How many like to take tests? Let me see all the kids here when the teacher says we've got a pop quiz. How many like that day? Okay, but today is a little different day because this is a preacher quiz. So here's what we're going to do. Ten quick questions. They're all true and false. And you've got ten little uh, answer recorders here on your hand. Anytime I read a question, and I don't want you to super analyze it, and I don't want you to look at what did he mean by that word. Just first response, and anytime you think it's true, I want you to hold your finger up. And I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to ask you at the end to respond, nobody's going to know, but in your own mind, and then I'm going to kind of contrast the answers uh, as we start uh, this morning's message. Here's the first question. It's okay to worship God any way I want to. Don't super analyze. true or false. If it's true, hold a finger. It's okay to worship God any way I want to. Number two, it's okay if school, sports, hobbies, work, friends, if they're the most important thing in my life. And the way you know it's most important is that's where your passion is, most of your time, energy, and money. And it's okay if it's school, sports, hobbies, work, or people. Number three, it's okay if you get really frustrated or angry. It's okay to say, oh, God, or Jesus. It's okay. Now, if you're doing these things, that would probably indicate it's true. Number four, uh, it's okay to work on any day you want to. Now, now that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you have to work a 10-hour week or 40-hour week, but, but, but any day is alike, okay? Every day is alike, and I can pretty much work whenever I want to. True or false? Number five, when a person grows up, they have no more responsibility for their parents. Kids, come on, let's get real now. When you're out of the house, you're out of the house. Mom and dad, see you later. Number six, it's okay to have an abortion if you don't want to have a baby. Be honest now, you don't have to tell anybody but you. It's okay to have an abortion if you don't want the baby. Number two, if two people are attracted to each other, it's okay to have sex. Now, don't give me a church answer and a life answer. Give me your real answer. Number eight, it's okay to take things from people who have more than you do. Don't answer it like I would. Answer it how you live. Uh, Number nine, it's okay to make up things about people you don't like. And lastly, number 10, it's okay to get what belongs to somebody else if you want it bad enough. It's okay to get it. Now, all those questions came from the Ten Commandments. And any question that you answered true on suggests that your thinking is different from the Bible. Now, that doesn't make you bad, but I want to educate you a little bit this morning. I want to help you think biblically. I want to help you look at life through the lens of the Bible. Years ago, before I had LASIK surgery, I had really bad eyesight up close. I, I'd get out of the bed in the morning, I couldn't even see the alarm clock. I mean, no, that's not bad, you just hit snooze again, okay? But that's not what I But when you put glasses on, everything becomes clear. And the Bible is intended to be glasses for the culture. Glasses for what's going on in the world out there. high interpret, right and wrong. It's glasses to help me figure out the desires that I have. Or is it a good desire or a bad desire? Should I be thinking this way? Should I be acting this way or should I not? In essence, is this pleasing to God or, or, or is it not? And if you're a young person, first of all, if you're maybe under 30, 35 or so, let me apologize to you for the America that we've given you. My generation, the one before, uh, before me, has left you in a mess. I was raised in a day, we prayed in school when I was a boy. When I was a boy, the principal would read the Bible over the loudspeaker. Uh, today, you're even taught in your textbooks that God doesn't even exist, and, and evolution is the, is the, it brought everything into existence. Listen, when the teacher teaches you that, I just want you to think in the back of your mind. It takes more faith to believe that nothing created everything than it does to believe, come on, that a deliberate, intelligent God created what we enjoy around us. But we've left you a mess. We've left you a moral mess. When I watch TV, and I even record the old show, some of the old shows, Andy Griffith never had a problem like you have today. You watch TV shows today, and buddy, it's a whole different world. If you're a young person, you're taught that whatever you feel like, that's what's right. And you're often couched in words of as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But even in some cases, if you really, really want to do it, that's okay too. We've left you a mess. And I want to encourage you this morning to listen with me as we talk about the subject of, the, of marriage and ask the question from this perspective, because I'll talk to you about things that you won't hear in the news and that you will not hear in your modern classroom. I'll talk to you from the perspective of a pastor who believes the Bible, who wants to give you a Bible view of marriage. The question that I hope you'll be asking yourself this morning is, who has the right to determine what's right and wrong? Does, does, uh, does the Supreme Court? How I many know we can have laws, but they can be unjust laws? Abortion is a law, but it's an unjust law because it violates the commandment that says, Thou shalt not murder. It violates the Bible's teaching that all people are created in the image of God and therefore have value. But we're going to be talking, I want you to ask the question, does the Supreme Court get to determine right and wrong? How about the professionals? How about if a psychiatrist or if, if an attorney or a doctor, does a professional get to decide what's right and wrong? Or how about this? How about the majority? If we can just convince enough of us to say this is right, well, then that's what we should do. Or the one that's we, are really, really challenged in American culture is I get to determine what's right and wrong. And what may be right for me doesn't have to be right for you because we're individuals and we can figure it out. I'll suggest to you there's another way of determining right and wrong that's way, way better. It's what God has to say on the subject. Because when God speaks clearly on something in His Word, the Bible, I mean, no, we should listen, and then we need to make a choice. Our choice is not do we agree with the topic, but our choice is am I going to go God's way or am I going to go my way? Come on, tighten up your seatbelt a little bit, all right? Uh, I know we just hit a little pocket of turbulence. But we want to talk about marriage from that, uh, from that uh, vantage point today. Go Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And again, all these notes are, are on our, uh, the webpage. They're actually, if you want to bring your iPad to church, the, you can pick it up on Saturday. The notes are already there. The message will be there in a couple days. If you've got a smartphone, they're there. Uh, what does God say marriage is in the Bible? Now, even the way that I phrase that question is significant. God has already told us what marriage is and we're in the process as Americans of trying to redefine not only the term but redefine what's right and wrong here's what God says Genesis 2 if you wanna figure things out a great place to go in the Bible is the book of Genesis it is the book of first things it is the book of beginnings it is the book when you know uh, this is the the first attempt the first time God spoke on something Genesis 2 verse 18 Adam was already there And how many know, Adam did not uh, uh, arrive from primal ooze. Uh, Adam Adam didn't come from a monkey. Now, you, you may think some people evolved from monkeys, and they may act that way, but Adam was created by God. God took some dirt. God took a little water. He made it into a man. He breathed into him, the Bible says, the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. We pick up the story, verse 18. The Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Can you say that phrase? I will make a helper that is fit for him. That is the helper for the man. I'm going to tell you what's best. I'm going to design a helpmate for her, him that will complement his life. Verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs. This is the first anesthesia. Verse 22, the the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. Now, I want you to see, when God made the woman, he didn't take him from Adam's brain. Now, I know some men seem like they have half a brain, but this is not the reason. (laughs) He didn't take him from his brain so she could boss him or rule him, nor did he take the part for the woman from his feet so he could... She would be subservient to him, and he would rule her. But he took the rib, very significant, suggesting that we're co-equals in this journey of life. Come on, men and women. We may have different roles in marriage, different roles in the home, but yet we are, in the eyes of God, we are co-equal partners as we share the journey of life together. Now, verse, uh, verse 24, "...therefore, because of this, a man shall leave his father and his mother." Father, the male. Mother, the female. It's not someone of a different sex trying to be the father or trying to be the mother. It's who God created us to be. The gender that God gave you at birth is the gender that God wants you to be. If you struggle with this issue, let me tell you, the starting place for your happiness is beginning to accept yourself the way you are. We live in a world that carries the brokenness of sin. And the brokenness that we have in some physical ways, listen, that's because of the evil in the world. But God is the one, leaves a father and his mother. Now we learn about the right place for children to be raised. The healthy, normal way to raise a child is with a father and a mother sharing the same home together. So here a man leaves mom and dad and he holds fast to his wife. Not another man, not an animal. Adam had, he had animals, uh, uh, God was there, but it was the woman that God brought together. And then notice it says, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh is a direct reference to sexual intercourse. It is the picture of marriage, of a man and a woman coming together. So the Bible clearly teaches marriage is God's idea, a man and a woman to complement one another, to complete one another. It was the helper that was fit for him. And the biblical purpose of marriage, now listen, is threefold. Number one from this passage, it is companionship to complete us. It is the place to produce and to raise healthy children. And it is the joy of sexual intimacy. That's why God gave us marriage between the man and a woman. Now, leap ahead to the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 19. You will see that Jesus affirmed the same thing. Some would say, well, the Old Testament was, is older, it's irrelevant, now we're in a newer day. Look, we may have iPhones and uh, uh, Androids and HDTV, but let me tell you what, our world's a mess. Everybody would agree with that. Everybody. When I went to school, the thing the teachers worried about the most was kids putting gum under the desk. It was kids missing the trash can. Today... We want to make sure that every child went through the metal detector. Today, the policeman has to look through the backpack to make sure there's no bombs or there's no weapons. Listen, friends, our world is not better. Our world is not better with a million abortions a year in America. Our world is not better with violence, so much violence, we don't know what to do with it. And the only response of the government is, is, is take the guns away. Did you know that there are way more people that are killed with knives, way more people that are killed with fists? Come on than there are with guns way 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 more but the response of man when you put God out of the equation is let me control man and all you end up with is a dictatorship or communism or whatever we've got in America today communism light something is missing when you move God from the equation now let's keep reading marriage God's idea but Jesus told us Matthew 19 verse 3 the Pharisees asked Jesus is it lawful is it right is it correct for a man to divorce his wife. The presumption is a man and a woman are married, and now the question is divorce. Divorce for any and every reason. The ultimate no-fault divorce. Jesus said, haven't you read, and now he refers to Genesis 2.24, that at the beginning the Creator made them what? You know, there's some things about life that God has already predetermined. I may not like it. You, you may not like the color of your skin. I, guarantee, I don't like the fact that I got a little bald spot, and I can really see it when I turn around, so I don't turn around. My... There's some things that I don't like. I was very, very self-conscious. Of, I have a, what I thought was a large Adam's apple. Don't look at it. When I was a kid. I didn't like the fact that, you know, I had big, big feet or whatever the case. There may be some things that you may not like about yourself. But listen, we live in a broken, fallen world, I'm telling you. And, and, and Adam's sin has really messed things up. But there are just some things that we can't... I couldn't control the day I was born. I couldn't pick my parents. Now, let's put aside things like in vitro and those kind of things. There's some things I can't control. But the secret to happiness is accepting myself with the boundaries that God has placed in my life. Whether I'm a man, whether I'm a woman, come on, whatever the case may be. But Jesus now tells us about marriage. Jesus said this, uh, God made the male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Therefore, verse 6, what God has joined together, very significant. When it says God has joined together, this is the union God blesses. This is what God has joined together. Let no one separate. So, Jesus reaffirming God's original intent for marriage, one man, one woman, but he underscores the lifelong commitment that our marriage is to have today. So, here's my question to you. If Jesus affirmed that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, what right do we have to change it? If God in the Bible from the beginning said, this is the way that, come on, marriage is supposed to be, and and is this perhaps the biggest issue now, next week I'm going to be dumb and dumber, okay? So you, you'll laugh a little more next week. But, but I feel I have a responsibility to you to tell you the truth. I feel I have a responsibility to open God's Word. Now, you can believe it or not believe it. But to the best of my ability, every week I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to tell you what God's Word, to the best of my ability, says on the subject. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm going to do. Because the Word of God will affect your eternal destiny. And here's the real issue as I look at it today. It's not the competing statistics. I, I, I really question whether I should even give any statistics, but I'm going to, but, because how many know you can find one person on this side and somebody with a Ph.D. that says this, and another Ph.D. says something just the opposite. Come on. You, you can Google something, and do you know even the algorithms on Google are politically correct? Have you noticed that? You just kind of make the assumption unconsciously that whatever comes up first is the most important. Not exactly the case. But here's what I see as the real issue. Now listen to me, young people. When it comes to marriage, is am I going to agree with what God has said about the design of marriage, which, which affects the way I live as a single person, a married person, a person with homosexual desires, and a person with heterosexual desires? Am I going to accept what God says? or am going to reject it. To me, that's the big argument, and that's the big starting place. And that's where I'm with you this morning. Let's go a little bit deeper now this morning. Um, I've talked to you about what the Bible says quite clearly. And you know what? I could take several weeks of messages and just go through multitudes of scripture that underscore and reinforce what are encapsulated in these two verses about marriage and the scripture. But what does our culture say marriage should be? Now, if you want to look at culture, of course, we would look at television. And we would contrast television in the generations. Um, I I still like Andy Griffith on television. I'll record some of his old stuff. But guess what? Andy didn't have the same issues that you've got today on television. I mean, when Barney shot a gun, it was because his one bullet went off by mistake. Today, it's not if they're going to kill somebody, it's how many people are going to be killed. And killing is the whole plot of much of our modern-day entertainment. Video games will just entertain you with violence. Can I suggest to you pause a minute? And just because it's happening in the culture doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't mean that God approves of it. It's just the world that we're dealing with. Let's talk about culture. Do you know a dictionary captures the thinking of culture? I've got an 1828 Webster's Dictionary. You can, I even have an electronic version of it. Here's what Webster said in 1828. So mind you, going back, Webster looked back from Genesis, Jesus, all the way to that 19th century. And here's what he said marriage is. He said marriage was instituted by God. Marriage is the legal union of a man and a woman. It's legal, hence it addresses the fact that why you shouldn't just live together and say, well, in my heart I'm married. No, that's not enough. It's between a man and a woman, and it's for life. Now, isn't that pretty cool to look to the dictionary, and the dictionary goes along with what the Bible teaches us. I looked in my current 2003 edition of the dictionary, and here's what we say. It is the state of being united to a person of the opposite sex. Mind you, we've dropped God and we've dropped legal, but we have kept opposite sex, but we've added a second definition. It says the state of being united to a person of the same sex. So here's my question. What right do we have to redefine the term and redefine what marriage is? It is much more palatable the use of words if I call the taking of an innocent life in the womb a choice than if I called it the murder of an innocent child. Words convey something, but words have meaning. Words are the containers that we use to, to convey things. So let me step aside from the preacher a minute. We've got a little video that we want to show you that that talks about the three kinds of marriage that's in America today or certainly coming to us. One's traditional. The second one is two gay men getting married. And the third one is what's called polyamory. Anyone ever heard of polyamory? i got to be honest, I hadn't. I looked it up. There's a TV show that's out there. I hope you don't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. But it's called Polyamory, Married and Dating. And what it's about, it's about multiple people in a relationship. Some may be married, some may call it marriage, but it's got a little extra twist. So let's step into culture just a minute, see what's going on out there, and then we'll come back to the Bible. I want you to, I probably couldn't say anything that has more feelings on edge than what we're talking about right now, so if I take a deep breath. Okay, don't take a deep breath, just hold your breath then. Every person that you saw represented there is all equal in the eyes of God. Listen now, every one of us are trying to find the helper that's fit for life. But some of us will make choices that agree with God and please God, and some of us will make choices that are against the teaching of His Word. And that's kind of the root of the issue. Not is, do I love you? Do I have feelings for you? Do you make me happy? Listen, you may feel like you'd be happier. You may be married and you may have met someone at work, at church or school and feel like you'll be happier if you were married to them. You may be a young person and your boyfriend may be telling you, you'll be happier if you have sex with me. You may have urges that are homosexual urges, and you may feel like you'll be happier if you act on these urges. Can I tell you, friend, it's not the urge that's wrong, it's what we do with the urges we have. Whether we're a teenager in the backseat of a car, a married person with a ring on our finger, come on, or a person with feelings of homosexuality towards someone, do we act on these or do we not? Because the actions will affect us for all eternity. Give me a little amen, somebody. Let's, let me give you some statistics. Uh, first of all, traditional marriage, 50% of traditional marriages end in divorce, 41% of the first time, 60% of second time marriages, and 73% of a third time marriage. Now look, traditional marriage, is, it's in trouble, but that doesn't mean it needs to be thrown away. Now, if you want some great statistics on what I'm preaching about, go to the Family Research Council or the American Family Association. There's lots of good ones out there. Family Research Council tells us this, though. Marriages, traditional marriages that are working. I'm not talking about one that's broken and needs fixed. How many know when your car is making this, when you put your foot on the brake and it goes, it's a sign that tells you, go to Midas or go to the brake doctor. And we just do it. But when our marriage goes, Ear, I hate you. I never want to see you again. I wish I never married you. We just go to work and come back and why isn't there anything food on the table? I mean, we don't get it fixed. But if we get it fixed, uh, Family Research Council tells us studies show you'll have greater sexual satisfaction in a traditional marriage. You'll be less likely to be poor, less likely to commit suicide, less likely to commit crime, Less likely to be abused or to abuse, and you'll be healthier. Why? Because it's God's design. It is the helper fit for you. Children, do you realize 41%, 4 out of 10 children, are born to unmarried couples. Some of them living together, some of them on a one night stand. 41% of kids, but studies also show, Family Research Council, that children are happier and more secure with a mom and a dad in the same home. So working it out for the children's sake, listen, friends, is a valid motivation. Your children, if you and, mo- you and, your, family, you and your spouse get along, your children are going to be healthier. They'll be less apt to commit suicide. They'll make debt- better test scores. Now, these are just facts I'm giving you. Uh, how about, how about uh, unmarried couples, people that are living together? And first of all, let me say this. If you're here today and you're living with someone, I am glad you're here. Just as I am, if you're married, I'm glad you're here. If you're gay, I'm glad you're here. Come on, when we walk through the door, this is a church that recognizes all of us are sinners. Come on, struggling to find God's grace. But God's grace does not imply our acceptance of things that He clearly tells us are wrong. This is a choice that we have to make. Living together, 12% of U.S. couples, 2010, 12% of us as couples were living with someone and not married to them. Now, forget the Bible just a minute. Doesn't it just make sense to try something out before you buy it? Okay. How many would buy a car without driving it around the block? Come on, let me see your hands. Because it just looks that good or what? Well, anyway, most of us would not buy the car without... So it just kind of makes sense in the natural to try somebody else out to see if you're... Whatever. It's called cohabitation. Here's what the facts are. The facts reveal... This is a U.S. News World Report. If you're a woman living with a man and you're not married, the commitment in that marriage, you are more likely to be abused... more more likely that you're going to be struggling with alcohol or drugs, more likely that there's going to be family violence involved, and you are 30 to 50% less likely to get married. Now, Baptist Press tells us the reason women live with someone is because they think it's a step before marriage. You know why men live with somebody? Let's say it this way. They want somebody to make the bed after they mess up the bed. I don't know if I'm a bad joke teller or you're just too religious today. I don't know. Come Next week, dumb and dumber. That'll be be right up our alley. The Family Research Council says some tragic things about the homosexual lifestyle. Homosexuals as a group have a higher level of mental illness, and it's not because they're not smart. Somehow, for some reason, there's some pressures that are there. Substance abuse is higher. Dr. Frank Joseph, an orthopedic surgeon of Atlanta, reports that homosexuals' median age of death is 42, heterosexuals, 75. 42, 75. If AIDS is involved, 38 to 39. 78% have a sexually transmitted disease. Tragically, they're admitted to the hospital more frequently. A fourth to a third are alcoholics. And tragically, half the suicides are committed by people struggling in a homosexual relationship. These are not my ideas, they're not my thoughts, but they're the world out there that you don't see on the television. Come on. You don't see on shows like I showed you, but it's the real truth of the world that's out there. Let me give you a couple Bible verses. The Bible and sex outside of marriage. Everybody say, sex is good. The rest of you, sex is good, but with the right person at the right time. And if it's the wrong time, it's not good, and if your kids are near, you give them a good punch right now. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Now listen to this, let's get serious in a minute. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Wrongdoers, as defined by God, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Could there be anything more important than that? I'm talking about eternity now. And then it goes on. It's a somewhat longer list, but I'm going to break it down to just the sexual I- I- issues. It says, don't be deceived, which means much of America is in deception if the Bible's true. Now, look, I'll stand before you and say, the Bible may not be true. It may be. It may not be. I'm not willing to take the chance, though. I've been married 30 years to one woman. I have never strayed. My wife has never strayed. Come on. We have a relationship that's pure between us. We are happy. We sleep good at night. We hadn't had to pay all the costs of divorce and all the pain at Christmas time. Our kids are pretty normal. They're good kids. I'm telling you, you can have a good life, but you can be deceived. The Bible says, neither the sexually immoral, a broad term, now listen, nor adulterers, that's heterosexuals that are married, having sex out of marriage, nor men who have sex with men will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you don't like it, don't take it up with me. Just tear that page out of your Bible. Because we try to build a life sometimes where we pick and choose what we want. I'm preaching way better than you're amening this morning. Woo! Romans chapter 1. Let me read this to you. Romans chapter 1. This is a, virtually a whole chapter dedicated to the homosexual lifestyle. Now listen to this. God gave them over... What that means is God took His hand off their life. God turned His back. He gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. These were the impulses come from. To sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now that's pretty strong. They exchanged the truth about God... How many know just because you feel something doesn't make it right? Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. Let me give you a, a little hint here. Guys or girls, if your boyfriend girlfriend says to you, everybody else is doing it, uh, you just get out of the car and find somebody else. You just tell them, well, I'm not doing it and certainly not with you. And if you don't have anybody to pick you up, call me and I'll get somebody to pick you up and get you home. That was extra. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. I don't know what that means, but that's not good. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. What does that mean? That means when they heard the truth, they said, I don't want the truth. In case you missed that, I just threw the Bible on the floor. That's what Peter's saying. When you reject God, God, listen to what it says, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what not ought to be done. Listen, urges whether they're homosexual urges or heterosexual urges, whether you're single, whether you're married, listen, our urges are urges. Those urges, though, need to be fought against. They need to be resisted rather than embraced and called normal. Because when you act on the urges, that is a S-I-N, and that has consequences. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it. Boy, that was worth an amen. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it. What's going on in America? Let me wrap this up. Judges seventeen six, It says, Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Please listen to this. They had no king. Now, the king of ancient Israel was a civil leader, but he was married literally in the sense that there was, uh, there was a spiritual marriage to the civil government, and they were functioning as one. And when they didn't have the right leadership in the nation, every person just did whatever they thought was right. And the nation ended up in a ditch. And can I suggest to you the core issue for you and I today and for all of America is will I embrace what God teaches in the Bible as the standard for sexuality and marriage or will I reject it? Now, Bill Riley would call me a Bible thumper for the way I presented this. I take it as a compliment, Bill. Thank you very much. Um, let me close. Two scriptures, and this is, this is real important. How should I respond to people who don't believe the Bible's teaching about marriage? Now, look at me, eyeball to eyeball, because everybody in this room has friends that are in an alternative lifestyle. You've got family members. There's a teacher in a classroom. There's somebody on the ball team. How should I respond? Let me give you two scriptures. Ephesians 4, verse 14. He talks about not being immature... And then he tells us what mature people do. Mature people, and I want you to say this with me, speak the truth in love. Mature people don't hold signs like some church does at events where homosexuals are present that are demeaning to them as a person. But somebody cares will speak the truth in love. What do I mean by that? Let's say you're working in your yard and you don't like your neighbor. You don't like them because they party all the time and keep you awake, or you don't like them because they're an old fuddy-duddy. Bottom line, there's a hedge separating your houses, and you're out there working in the yard, and there's a great big old wasp nest in that hedge. And you just happen to know that your neighbor is allergic to wasps, and if they get bit, they'll have an allergic reaction. It'll be bad, bad news. And they're just on their knees working in the flower bed, going towards that wasp nest. What are you going to do? Come on. If you say anything other than I'm going to warn them and tell them, you've you got problems. Every person, even if you don't like them, will tell them the truth. But the important thing is, is you don't tell them in a condescending way. It's not my job to condemn somebody. It's not even my job to judge somebody. Come on, that's God's job. But what my responsibility is, is to speak the truth in love if I care about you. Let me show you a picture on the screen. It's, a, it's in World Magazine. I, I read it most every week. It's a picture... There you got the train, the rainbow train. It's like this whole issue of same-sex marriage that's coming in America. And I want you to look at all the people. I realize they're far away, but here's a judge with his gavel, and he's gotten off the track. That train's coming too fast. Here's a preacher. He's run off the track. You know, here's a woman with some kids. She don't want her kids to have to deal with it anymore. Here's a guy that even had a sign, marriage is between a man and a woman, and he's run away. There's one guy standing here, and I know you can't see him, but imagine him in your mind's eye. He's got his hand, stick it up, just like that. And guess what's in his hand? That's right, God's Word. Which one are you going to be? I don't care if it's with same-sex marriage or or whatever culture issues out there. You just go down the list. What person are you going to be? As for me, I'm going to do my best to speak the truth in love. 2 Timothy chapter 2, last scripture, and then I'll close with prayer. It says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel But a servant of the Lord must be, say it with me, kind to who? Everyone. Must be able to teach. Must be patient with difficult people. And here's the reason why, verse 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts, and then they'll spend eternity with Him, and then they'll learn the truth when God is using the words of you and I. The Bible says, verse 26, they'll come to their senses and they'll escape from where? The devil's trap. Maybe that's what's going on in our world today. If you care about somebody, you will tell them the truth. Now listen, even if they call you a bigot, a homophobe, hate speech, that reminds me of the playground days. Remember the old nursery rhyme, sticks and stones will make my bo- break my bones, but... Well, I rewrote the nursery rhyme for church today. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Your names, they sure do hurt me. I care for you. I really do. That's why I must be truthful. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Your names, yeah, they hurt me. But I care for you. I really do. That's why I must be truthful. God's good, isn't he? Give him a good hand today. I'm gonna close in prayer this morning I'd like to have a prayer for you if you are joining me today in committing to God's view of marriage and if you just like prayer this morning as a group you don't have to come up you don't have to say anything to anybody but just wear at your seat if you'd like to say pastor I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I want God to help me live my life according to the Bible I want I want God to help me do things right now listen this is all of us today if you're single or if you're married how many know if you're married you need to stay committed to your spouse You need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. When your marriage is in trouble, you need to get some help. If you're a woman in a marriage, you need to do what the Bible says. You need to honor him. You need to show him respect. He still needs a cheerleader. You're going to be committed to marriage. If you're single, here's what it means. If you're a virgin, it means, Pastor, with God helping me, I'm going to stay a virgin until I say I do to someone of the opposite sex. And if you're not a virgin, that you're going to stay sexually pure until you marry. That's a big thing. But you do that and God will be pleased. If you're living with someone, again, let me say, I am thrilled you're here. But let me encourage you to do this. Get married or get out. Make a step in the right direction. And I know it's hard, whether it's emotional needs or financial. But I want to encourage you, with the help of God, do what's right. If you're someone today that is in a homosexual relationship, again, just like an adulterous relationship, get out. If you're a married person and you're sleeping around or almost there, stop it. Get out. Go God's way. I mean, no, We repent. God can perhaps restore us. But whoever you are wherever you are today, young, old, married, single, gay, straight, if you want to commit to marriage God's way and live in the sexual standards that God has for us, I'd be honored to pray for you. Would you just stand to your feet this morning and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you, desiring to live. God's way. Come on, sing us a song here and then we'll pray and go.